In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. So I have a friend, and he's a cat guy. Uh, you've heard of a cat lady. Uh, he's a cat guy. And uh, his cat died. He, you know, he'd had this cat for many, many years. And some of you have been through that. And he was just devastated. And in fact, he was, uh, he was just so unsure of how he was even going to be able to live through this that he just decided that it wasn't true. And decided he was going to take the cat to the vet to see if there was anything the vet could do about it. And so the vet got there and the vet looked at him and, and he shrugged his shoulders and said, okay, but I mean, it's going to be $50. And, and the friend, he's uh, really more of an acquaintance, but he said, um, he, he said, he said, okay. And so the, the doctor took the stethoscope and, and just, I mean, it didn't take long. He just said, I'm sorry, your cat's dead. And, and my friend, he's just friends on Facebook, he said, um, <laughs> he said, uh, he said, um, I just need another opinion because I can't believe this is true. And so the vet whistles and this Labrador retriever walks out from behind the back room and, and, and gingerly, you know, like a, a retriever would do, picks the cat up and just kind of toys with it a little bit and puts it down, noses it and looks confused up at the vet. And the vet says, the cat is, is dead. He said, I, it's just a friend of a friend, but he said, I just, um, I, 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 I just need, uh, I just need one more opinion. And so the, the, the vet shrugs and, and this um, whistles and the, a, a cat comes out and walks around and around this cat, looks the cat up and down, head to tail, back and forth, and just begins to wail over the loss of a fellow feline. And the vet says, look, I'm, I'm, the cat is dead, and that's going to be $300. And the guy's, I mean, it's just an insult to injury. You told me $50. I just lost my cat, and now it's $300. And he said, yeah, but that was, that was before the, the lab work and the cat scan. So... Um, <laughs> got to face the facts. you got to face the facts. <laughs> Facing the facts can hurt, right? But if you don't face the facts, it'll cost you. It'll cost you. And Advent is a season of facing the facts. See how I did that right there? So, <laughs> Advent is a season of facing the facts. And not facing the facts will cost you the joy that facing the facts will lead to. Not facing the facts will cost you the joy that facing the facts will lead to. Facing the facts of the painful facts about ourselves in order to get to the joy on the other side is the heart of the preparation of Advent. And it often gets lost, doesn't it, in the more commercial, more secular side of Christmas. And don't get me wrong, I like getting presents. And I like giving presents. And I love to take my kids to see those houses with the crazy lights. And I love watching classic Christmas movies like Miracle on 34th Street and Die Hard. And, um, and I, um, I think those things really have their place. And in fact, if you just imagine for a minute uh, filling out your Christmas wish list. Some of you, this is a recent memory, but... Um, 
just fi- imagine filling out your Christmas wish list, all the things that you want to receive, and just take a moment to notice that there is some void for each of those things. There's some void in your heart or your mind or your life that, uh, that, those, some, that would fill, that new thing would fill. And they would be first world voids, most of those, not real needs, but, but you recognize that if you unwrap that new guitar or that new drone or that new jewelry or that new golf club or, you know, whatever it is, that you will be getting something you don't have that is going to bring you a lot of joy. And so, what about the greatest gift? What about the baby in the manger? What about the Savior of the world and the author of your salvation? What is the place in your heart that you need for Him to fill? So this morning, let's face the facts. Let's take a step back from all the jingle bells and take a deep breath of Advent air. And let's face the facts in our own lives about why we need for Jesus to come. And John the Baptist is just the guy to help us face the facts. So last week we looked at the character of the ministry of John the Baptist. We said, if you remember, the the Word of God came in the wilderness, comes in the wilderness season of our lives uh, to level the playing field so that everyone stands on equal footing before God, so that we all may see God's salvation. That was the character of John's ministry. This week, we get what John actually says. And I'll tell you, preachers tremble when they open up the lectionary and see, you brood of vipers. We don't like preaching that. Every now, even now, the axe is laying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Merry Christmas. <laughs> just feels like a two-by-four in the face, doesn't it? it just, I mean, why wouldn't we skip over such a barrage of criticism and head right to sweet baby Jesus and all the presents? But there are a couple of things in this passage that are making me reconsider just how we might receive John's seemingly fiery words. I mean, surely John's provoking a crisis. But maybe he's not as angry as he appears. Maybe John is speaking more as if he were leading an intervention. You know, he's speaking very directly, but he's doing so out of real concern for those who have wandered astray. He's speaking about dire Consequences, but, through, but he's pleading through tears of love. So I just want to, this morning, look at a few clues as to why John's words might actually be helpful for us. And along the way, we'll see how we might face the facts in our own Advent preparation for the coming of Christ. So the first and the most obvious clue would be in the last line. If you look in the bulletin, the last line of the gospel, which is a sort of summary statement of John's preaching, and it has just always struck me as funny. Every, I giggle every time I read it. He says, with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. Like, you brood of vipers doesn't really sound like good news to me. And I don't know about to you, but Luke seems to think it is. In fact, the word there that is used for good news is the word evangel or gospel, or preach glad tidings. And in fact, 
It is the same word that the angel uses on the night of Jesus' birth when, when the angel is addressing the shepherds. Right? Behold, I bring you good news, glad tidings of great joy. And Luke is telling us that what John is saying is in the same category as that gracious and joyful proclamation of the angel. It's good news. The second clue that we might, be, we might take John's words as something other than a damning two-by-four uh, is in the reaction of the people. Right? They don't run away. They don't stage an angry protest. They don't call for John's arrest or threaten to stone him. Rather, they actually earnestly ask what they might do to change. Even though they probably didn't like what he said. I mean, the reason tax collectors came, became tax collectors is so that they could take more money than the prescribed amount. That's why you became a tax collector. And that's the very thing John says to stop doing. Having the power to extort money by threats was a, had been a good reason to become a soldier. John says stop doing that. So nevertheless, what, what is happening is that John is calling them snakes. But by speaking so directly, he is helping them identify their snakiness. Specifically, in the way that they treat other people and in the way that they use the power that they have. He's preparing them for Jesus by helping them face the facts about themselves. And I've been wondering, what might John have said to me if I were to ask him what I should do, it's kind of a haunting question. What about you? Is there anything about the way that you treat other people or the way that you use the power that you have that John might help you identify any snakiness in you? Maybe it's the way you talk to people or the way you talk uh, about them. Or the way that you don't talk to them. Or the way you hold a grudge. Or maybe you overlook your own sins, but silently judge the sins of others. Do you do that? Or judge their appearance? I do. Let's face the facts. Just the other night, I was at Walmart. And you know, you had this dream of like just running into Walmart real quick. And, um, and so I, I got the thing that I went for and, and maybe a couple of other things. And then, um, and I, you know how you look for all the, the, the shortest line, and I found that there's just, there's, this lady was checking out, and there's one family with just a couple things, and, uh, and, um, and so I went to that line. And it was this man and his daughter. She's really beautiful, and he, he was, they were speaking some language I didn't recognize, maybe Eastern European. And... Um, I said, well, you know, this won't take long. And, um, and he, he comes in, he reaches in his back pocket and pulls out, I am not kidding, $20 worth of quarters. And just, just lays them all, just this big pile, just lays them all on the checkout uh, counter. And I, I immediately grab, I start texting Amy. I'm like, you will not believe. And I'm thinking about, like, <laughs> taking a, a picture maybe of this guy. And I'm just, I'm just like, how, I've got places to be. I, you know, I don't know, how can this guy do this? 
So he didn't have enough quarters to pay for everything, and he seemed to expect that because he had a debit card, and he put the debit card in, and he didn't have enough money in his account to cover the thing. And so he said, well, take, take this thing out. There's a little ball, probably like $9, you know, just a little ball. And, and the daughter looked at him like, Dad. And, and, and he was kind of he was embarrassed. And, um, and I'm texting like, you wouldn't believe this guy. And, um, and so he, he takes off. And I realized, like, I could have paid $9 for this guy's ball. I mean, what, I just completely missed an opportunity to serve and bless this guy because I'm making fun of him and totally judging him. And I was just all of a sudden face-to-face with my own snakiness. And I'll tell you that if I hadn't been working in John the Baptist this week, I might not have even noticed. And so I have to ask, what's better in the long run? Right? What's better? Is it better if I, um, if I avoid the displeasure of facing my own snakiness? Or is it better to face it and then be prepared to serve better next time. And I say, thank you, John the Baptist. Remember, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. And so what John seems to be offering is that the proper way to prepare for Jesus is repentance. Preachers and songwriters have long made the observation that we should not make the same mistake that the innkeeper made on the night that Jesus was born. You know, we should prepare room in our hearts for him. And John is saying that the way to prepare room in, for Jesus in our hearts is to identify the snakiness in our own hearts and repent. Just confess. Try not to do it again. And then when you do it again, confess. Confront the displeasure of facing your own snakiness so that you may be prepared to receive the forgiveness of Christ and to follow Christ where he may lead you. Thank you, John the Baptist. The final clue that I see that John's audience might not have heard John's teaching quite as angrily as we might is that they were now wondering if John was the Christ. Is this the one that God has sent to rescue us? And it's just hard for me to imagine that they were asking such a vaulted question about an angry adversary. I think that they understood that John was for them and that he was calling them to repentance and to a renewed relationship with God. And so with humility and with confidence, I mean, John could have taken this opportunity to say, yes, I am the Christ. He would have drawn hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people to follow him and had a moment of power. But with humility and confidence, John denies that he is the Christ, saying, one more, one more powerful than me is coming, whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And yet it does seem, doesn't it, that John is preparing us more for Jesus the judge than for baby Jesus away in a major no crying he makes. Like his winnowing fork is in his hand. He's going to burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Not the works we tend to associate with the baby in the manger. But John is here in Advent to remind us that baby comes with a purpose, right? That baby comes to be the judge 
and then to take his own judgment upon himself. Advent says that we're not getting ready to celebrate Christmas Day. We're getting ready for the Savior himself. We're getting ready for God dwelling in our hearts. We're preparing him room. Advent says that we are facing the facts. We're heading to the banks of the Jordan River introspectively. Not so that God will love us, but because God already loves us. Not so that God will forgive us, but because God already forgives us. Not so that God will accept us, but because God already accepts us. We are facing the facts. We are identifying and confessing to God the ways in which we have departed from His ways and the ways in which we have taken His authority into our own hands. We're, con- we're facing the facts in the Advent expectation that in doing so, He will prepare Him for Himself. He will prepare us for Himself because of our Easter confidence in His death and resurrection. We're facing the facts because not doing so will cost us the joy of Jesus that comes on the other side. We're facing the facts and the knowledge that God the Father has actually already peered into our hearts and seen what is there and in response has graciously gifted us with His Son. Christmas is a week away. And so let's make the last week of Advent count. Let's face the facts about why we need in our hearts for the baby Jesus to come. So thank you, John the Baptist, and come, Lord Jesus. Amen.